Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. This talk is taken from our series Exploring Advent, a time when together we learn what it is to face darkness, see light and wait expectantly. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the Sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their lambs. Hello. For those of you I've not had the joy of meeting, um, I know some of you I've even actually emailed but not met face to face, I know are in the room. Uh, My name's Alice and it's such a pleasure to get to share something from my heavy heart uh, with you all this morning. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, begins Isaiah the prophet. As Mike described last week, God was speaking to a broken-hearted people, bound in captivity and losing hope. And this is not the only time that God speaks from his broken heart to comfort a dark world. Now, youth that are in the room, I set you a challenge this morning to hang on to some Bibles and start looking through the passages because I've been doing, we've been doing some Bible, Bible testing of knowledge. So if you can flick, hopefully, with me on your phones or in, your, in, your word, in the Word to Matthew chapter 5. I'm just going to read a little bit from there. Adults, you can be part of the, uh, the test as well. Basically, whoever manages to get the most gets a prize at the end. I'm consistent with my prizes. It always contains sugar. So we're reading from Matthew 5. It's verse 3. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what is right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is from a section of the Bible called the Beatitudes, where Jesus spoke to his followers, a group of people in a similar state, really, to those who were listening to Isaiah, a people under the occupation from the Romans, waiting, hoping in the darkness for a coming Messiah. And in this conversation Jesus has with them, Jesus recognizes the darkness that they're living in, but he came down, setting aside his throne and exchanging it for a manger in a stable to be present in their suffering. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. But there are questions in the darkness, aren't there? Questions that we just don't know the answer to. But answers don't fix the pain, the anger, or the bewilderment that come with the darkness and the suffering. You can give me all the theological and scientific answers to why this world is dark. But let me tell you, it still hurts. But one thing we know for certain, he is present. The Holy Spirit is moving. He's not gone anywhere. And the presence of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus said, brings comfort. Jesus even describes that in sending the Holy Spirit, he is sending the comforter. If you want to read more about that, you can find that in John 14. Mourning can take us into the presence of the one who comforts, to comfort those who mourn so that in our deepest pain, the Holy Spirit would draw closer still. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And that comfort is in the shape of God himself. God knows how it feels. He's big enough to hear our confusion, our frustration, our broken hearts, even our silence. Isaiah says, a voice cries out. And I said, what do I cry? Because there are those moments where the darkness hurts so much that words just aren't enough. And he knows. We're in good company in these scriptures, aren't we? And as we experience the deep healing comfort of God with us, Emmanuel, the comfort starts to transform our hearts and lift our gaze so that we start to see this is not the end, that there's a bigger story that darkness can no longer hide. And that has been the testimony of us here at Oasis Church, hasn't it? That in the midst of what seems to be darkness, the light of Christ pierces through and not only shows the darkness for the shadow that it is, but we see the light that is so much brighter than we could even begin to imagine. So I have the privilege of introducing Vince Ricketts to come and share a little bit of his story, a man who lives this out day to day. Can we give him a round of applause? We're just going to set up. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Those of you that are in the room, and though I can't see you online, it's good to have you. 
joining us this morning. So yes, I know many of you, and um, those I don't know, I look forward to meeting at some point. Darkness. This year started dark. It started dark in the sense that I was in and out of hospital. You see, I'm living with cancer. And as a result, some days are better than others. Today's a good day so far, though very sad. Earlier in the year, I was placed on a daily medication that started well. But as the months passed, the side effects left me with limited appetite, losing weight, losing a lot of weight. And eventually, I became so unwell that I could no longer continue with the treatment. Things were very dark. As I have faced these challenges on this journey, the Lord has reminded me of his faithfulness. Through the promptings of the Holy Spirit, he has said to me, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said to me, I am the one that will never leave you or forsake you. I don't know about you, but sometimes we read the scriptures and it's as though we gloss over them. But then when we're going through moments when things are hard, maybe even this moment, this morning, we're feeling sad. Maybe in those moments, certainly for me, the Lord suddenly reminds me, prompts me by his spirit, and he says, I am with you. I am Emmanuel. I'm the one who will never leave you or forsake you. And that's what he's doing even now. I have found solace in reading through the Psalms. And I can say with the psalmist that I lift my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That is my reality on a day-to-day basis. Even when it's hard, I know I can lift my eyes to the hills and draw strength from the Lord to make it through the day. As I walk through the day, I know that in the midst of darkness, his light shines through. In many of the Psalms, I've found that the psalmist refers to the Lord being his rock, his fortress, and his deliverer. I want to identify with that this morning, that he is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer. I'm so thankful to the Lord that in the midst of darkness, he shines through. He truly is the light of the world. Let me read Psalm 92. I've actually written it here rather than referring to the Bible. 
in my hand. So it says this, Psalm 92, 1 and 2, it says, It is good to praise the Lord and to make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. On the day that things aren't so good, I know that the Lord is faithful, that the Lord is my light in the midst of darkness. Amen. A round of applause, yeah. If you want to hear more of this wonderful man, Wednesday mornings, 7.30, we get to pray together and it's always a treat. So yes. I lift my eyes to, my, to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. When he fills our gaze, our perspective is completely transformed. No longer are we living in a contradiction, holding out for hope when it seems dark, no, we're living in the reality that previously we had only seen in part. Verse 9 of Isaiah 40. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. What is this good news? Who is it that we're seeking? This good news is Jesus this light is Jesus. This light is coming. Jesus doesn't have what our souls need. He is what our souls need. In his death on the cross and his re resurrection showing victory over death itself, we can declare this is not the end. That Jesus, you are coming back and will restore the world to the way it should be. Our bodies, our minds to the way that they were created to be. So why is this darkness still around us? Because he's not finished. Let me read you a passage from the book of Revelation. I'll let you flick to it. Chapter 22. This is where the writer describes what is promised for when heaven and earth are restored to what God intended them to be. So it's Revelation chapter 22. I'm trying to practice what I preach, but I actually put some bookmarks in just to cheat. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And it flowed down the centre of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or the sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. No more darkness, no more night, no more need for a light or a lamp. I looked everywhere for a painting or a drawing that in some way would picture this, but nothing came close. This river bringing healing to the nations, coming straight from the source of life, of all hope, the throne of God himself. It's not dependent on us like we seem to think it is. It never was. <laughs> he was always the source and it's always out of his overflow. Not in the little bit extra that he's got to give, but his grace and his mercy that lavishes on the people he knows by name and the creation he designed and called good. Once our eyes get filled with who he is, the darkness doesn't disappear overnight. We know that. 
We're living in that now, the now and the not yet. The match won, but the opposition still wanting to play in the game because the ref hasn't blown the whistle. But knowing you've already won changes the way you see that scoreboard. It makes you play differently. Sorry if the football reference is still a bit raw for some. <laughs> but the reality of the darkness we're living in changes. We see it for what it really is, a passing shadow, a defeated loser. No longer is it all-consuming, insurmountable, endless, or the end. When the light of Christ breaks through in our waiting, isn't it just beautiful? Those moments where we see God's kingdom come, his will done on earth as it is in heaven. For me, there's been these moments at work when a colleague sits down next to me and says, you know Jesus, can you tell me about him? Because I think I need to do something about this. Or getting to see a dear friend who did the Alpha course during our lockdown, get baptised in a church that her and her family have been attending and where they're known and loved. Or hearing about the beginning of a programme teaching palliative care to healthcare professionals in a nation that struggles to have running electricity, but recognises that care in a health service should be primarily about care of the vulnerable. That's, you know, that's my bag. We get to be part of Christ's light through so many different ways. Often more so in our brokenness, because as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he comforts us in our troubles so we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Anything that I ever give to you, I give not out of myself. This is me speaking. I give out of what I have first been given. Today, God's presence comforts us so that we know him close and so that we go to get, and get to go and share that what we've already known with a world that so desperately needs to know his comfort. And all of these say of the darkness, you have lost. As I describes this, these glimpses time and time again. But how do we live with this, with this gaze? Isaiah goes on to say, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. I don't think this needs too much of an explanation. Young person or not so young in the room, familiar with that, that feeling of tired and weary? Our own energy and effort may get us so far. It's not enough though, is it? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope. The Hebrew for hope here is kava. The word means longing for, looking for. When you're expectantly waiting for something. I know that patient waiting, or maybe not so patient waiting. It's not an easy place to be, is it? There's an exam I sat a few weeks ago uh, that I'm really longing for the results for. And the exam board didn't tell us when they were going to come out, so I have limited myself to refreshing the webpage only twice a day. <laughs> okay, you, you have me, it's actually twice an hour. <laughs> but anyway, maybe you're living in that waiting too. Maybe it's a particular present you really want for Christmas, or some annual leave over the holidays. Or maybe it's something where that waiting has turned into an ache because it's in so long. Unlike the expectations that we have on this earth, this hope that Isaiah describes is not a fingers crossed, which way is it going to go sort of hope. It's not a hope in something I have achieved or worked hard for or earned. Hope in the Lord is a joyful anticipation of coming good. 
that God will do what he's promised. It's an expectation that in spite of what I deserve, when in fact I've earned nothing at all, that he is faithful. And there is a confident expectation that Jesus Christ, who died on a cross and rose on the third day, is faithful to do what he promised, that he will return again in glory, making all things new, the end to death, sickness and disease, the end to injustice, persecution and corruption. Like Isaiah said in chapter 25, this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation that he brings. Jesus doesn't just have what our soul needs. He is what our soul needs. Coming back to the passage we started with in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, what began as a glimmer in the darkness to the people of Israel, God incarnate coming and comforting a beautiful world, turns into a proclamation that the darkness has lost and Jesus is Lord. The Beatitudes are a radically bold statement that declare Jesus is establishing the kingdom of heaven on earth. A kingdom not of oppression or corruption, but of peace and of freedom. So who will you seek this Christmas? There'll be a clamoring for your attention. This season distracts. Seeking the perfect family Christmas, seeking the hope of a new year, the hope of a new home or a new relationship or a new body, new mind. The poet Anne Cousin once wrote, the bride eyes, not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my king of grace. Dart the crown he giveth on his pierced hand. The lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. I'm a crier, I just am, sorry about that. <laughs> Jesus doesn't have what our soul, just have what our soul needs. He is what our soul needs. Amen. So will you seek after him this Christmas? Because our world needs to know it. I wonder if I might just ask the band actually to come back up. This heart just overflows. It has a tendency to do that. I wonder if we could just finish by singing. We'll have the notices at the end, I promise. I won't overrun to that. Um, but I just wonder if we could finish by just singing Tremble again. Would that be all right? Because I think just declaring that truth in this place that we're in. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're feeling the hurt like I am. Or maybe you are feeling like you're rising up with wings like eagles. That is great. But either way, let's sing his praises because isn't he worth it? Mm-hmm.